This is I Choose Life, news and views sponsored by Indiana Right to Life and Right to Life of Northeast Indiana, committed to defending innocent human life for all people of all ages. I Choose Life, news and views is produced by Bot Radio Network in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The following interview was recorded Wednesday, February 17th. Welcome to I Choose Life, news and views. As always, glad to have you tuning in. And today, we have a little bit of a unique situation here in that I am snowed in at home. Dr. Robinson, who's joining us, is sort of snowed in at his Texas home even. Um, And so you'll hear the sound quality a little bit different as we're both calling into the studio as opposed to me being able to sit in their captain's chair and to the recording from there. So thanks for your patience with any static that ends up coming through, um, but glad to have Dr. Haywood Robinson joining us, even from snowy Texas. So Dr. Robinson is really a unique guest for us um, in that he was supposed to be here in person today, but again, because of snow, wasn't able to be, was going to be part of our kickoff for 40 Days for Life. So we want to talk a little bit about 40 Days for Life today and let you guys know what's happening Um, not only in the Fort Wayne area, but that's an international program. And then also talk a bit about February being Black History Month, talk about how abortion has affected the Black American population over the course of many, many years, um, beginning with the birth control movement back in the early 1900s. So an interesting history there if you haven't heard it, and Dr. Robinson's going to take us through that a little bit. But he also had a unique story of his own as an MD. And so uh, I'm going to let him tell us his story, and we'll move from there. So Dr. Haywood Robinson. Abigail, I would have wanted to be there with you guys in Indiana, Fort Wayne. And as we were just speaking, um, I was there about 10 years ago when the office opened up their new location, uh, which was right next door to a from what I understand, it's a now-closed uh, abortion facility, one of the more dilapidated and run-down uh, facilities that I've taken. And uh, what you shared with me, I think he died approximately two years ago after this. And it was also found that he was hoarding babies' bodies. It's an unfortunate thing that someone could spend decades and decades of their life uh, killing babies and actually die Uh, while they're in the midst of that evil. I think what this illustrates, Abigail, is is that sin has a way of incrementally uh, taking over your your body, your soul, your spirit, uh, to the point where uh, you're so desensitized and so dehumanized, uh, these innocent pre-born babies become trophies uh, for men and, and women, such as the one you had next door to your headquarters, but thanks be to God, you know, I know from my history of abortion, thank God I was not involved with it nearly as long as your your neighbor was, but I was for several years. Uh, I was trained to do abortions and residency training some 40 years ago, and my wife, who I met in residency training, we, we trained together. As a matter of fact, she helped train me. And after being trained to, to do an abortion uh, in, in Los Angeles at the time, there were so many abortion facilities. Uh, it was very easy to get a, a job on the, on the weekends or after hours. 
And abortion is a lucrative business. Uh, the office does not have to deal with insurance. It's just it's cash up front uh, to take your baby away. And basically the way it worked, the owner of the facility took half the fee and the doctor would take the other fee, uh, the other half of the fee. And this wasn't a fun thing to do, and I don't believe uh, most abortionists are having a, an enjoyable time, but it's a part of a thing they do for money. And uh, also there's a certain power that goes along with that. But thanks be to God, the Lord saved me and, and my wife. Uh, so we came from darkness to light, from abortionists to pro-life warriors, and that happened for us back in the in the late 80s. And I can thankfully say that the Lord has forgiven me, my wife, and just like uh, he did for Saul and turned them around and made him Paul, uh, I'm blessed to say I've been working in the pro-life movement now, uh, well, for a bit over almost 35 years. And this is the kickoff day for 40 Days for Life. It's another pro-life organization I've been involved with since its very uh, conception, so to speak. And this is the first day of uh, the launch of our 40-day campaign. So, Abigail, I'm just thankful to be here, thankful to see what the Lord is doing. And this weather is not going to slow down the power of prayer as we uh, see more abortion facilities closed, babies that are saved, and abortion workers uh, leave those horrible places where they work. The Spring 40 Days for Life campaign runs February 17th, so starting on Ash Wednesday, running through March 28th. So there's plenty of days there to get involved. So a lot of people find that it's a, a nice Lenten activity, actually. Instead of maybe giving up chocolate or potato chips, uh, you can come out and do 40 Days for Life for an hour a week. For those people who aren't familiar with 40 Days for Life, Dr. Robinson, can you give them a little bit of an idea of what it looks like and, and what the potential impact is when we come out and pray, especially in poor weather, outside of these abortion facilities? Yes. It's a very simple model. Uh, some of your audience may have seen the movie Unplanned. That is where 40 Days for Life began. It's first camp 40 days we had our first 40-day campaign, standing in front of the facility, peacefully, prayerfully praying uh, for those things I mentioned earlier, babies being saved, uh, especially, but also facility being closed and abortion workers leaving. Uh, so what we noticed when we did the first campaign more than 20 years ago, and uh, I'd like to remind our audience we're up to 567 campaigns across our planet now, covering Mexico, South America, Europe, uh, Philippines. Uh, we're just starting in India. So this is a, a big thing. Prayer uh, draws together the body of Christ. And, you know, whether you're in Fort Wayne, uh, Miami, or Croatia, the same Holy Spirit ties us together. I remind people, that this whole abortion holocaust offends God far more than it does us. And if we just get behind him and pray, along 
and, and use the power of his Holy Spirit and the righteous indignation that we should have for the enemy who has come to steal and kill and destroy and take away uh, our most precious resource and God's most important gift, which is to bring life. And, of course, he brings it more abundantly. So by standing and praying in front of these facilities, what we noticed uh, after our first campaign more than 20 years ago, that the traffic going into the parking lot decreased, which means there were fewer abortions. We checked the uh, county and state statistics to see if indeed it correlated with what we were seeing as we stood there and prayed. Well, we noted that after the first campaign and uh, after the uh, second campaign, we saw the same thing. So what we recognize simply by standing and praying in front of the facility, many times a woman might be uh, sitting on the fence and saying, will I or won't we? And they may just see us praying out front and may not drive in at first. Some women have said that they knew we were praying and they went inside the facility and decided they weren't going to do it. So our prayer behind the Lord who wants to save this uh, save babies is important. The Bible says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And yes, I can see that. So here we are, the first day of launch. We're going to go uh, 40 days into this. Uh, there are a lot of people who are outside uh, in this weather in, in colder parts of our, in our country. Uh, we have our, uh, uh, a former director of Planned Parenthood, Sue Thayer. She's speaking right now in, in northern Wisconsin, which is a bit colder <laughs> than we're experiencing here. And, and a bit on Sue Thayer, who's also on staff as a former uh, and she's a former Planned Parenthood uh, director. She said when she was working in these facilities, she would see as much as a 75% decrease in business when people were outside praying. So I just want to encourage those out there, if you've never done this, come on out. Just give it one try for one hour. Ask the Lord to use you. Ask him to show you uh, how just standing and praying can make the difference in a baby's life. Well, just you standing there is plenty. And then if you can pray during that hour, then how much more, right? And the prayers don't need to be elaborate. They're just simple conversations with God. But your presence and the prayer, those are powerful things. And so don't dismiss what you as one person for one hour can do as far as putting an end to abortion. Um, we have the spring campaign. We also always host a fall campaign that's in the Fort Wayne area. But if you're not in the Fort Wayne area, you can go to 40daysforlife.com and they have an interactive map where you can look up where the closest 40 days campaigns are to you. If you have an abortion clinic nearby you and there's no 40 days for life campaign, call 40 days and see what needs to be done in order to start one there because we run the one out of the right to life office and it is just not that difficult to coordinate and it's so worth the time and effort that it does take. So please look into the one in your area and if there isn't one, start one. 
For those of you just joining us this week on I Choose Life News and Views, Abigail Lorenzen has been speaking with African-American physician and former abortionist Dr. Haywood Robinson. This was recorded Wednesday, February 17th, the first day of the spring 40 Days for Life campaign, when both host and guest were snowed in at their respective homes, which explains the audio quality of what you've been hearing. Their topics include 40 Days for Life, as well as the effects of abortion on the African-American American community. At this point, Dr. Robinson, let's start talking as far as Black History Month goes about how abortion has affected the Black American population. And I know you wanted to reference um, specifically a documentary called MAFA 21, M-A-A-F-A 21. And we'll link that in the podcast when we post this. Um, but it is available on YouTube. So if you guys who are listening want to pull it up now and, and get that so that you can, of course, don't watch it during the radio interview. But, um, but to have it for later, it's certainly worth the time, the two and a half hours that it takes to watch it. But um, Dr. Robinson, give us your perspective on what Black history has looked like in regards to abortion and tied into that is the eugenics movement as well. Yes, Abigail. But uh, before I get into that, I just want to reinforce one thing that you said a little bit earlier, and that was about encouraging people to pray. There are a few people out there that might be a bit fearful or timid, but once you get your feet in the water and get out there, that's going to all change. And that one hour is going to go by very rapidly if you're out there for an hour. The other thing is you don't go on about how you feel. This is not about your feelings. You don't necessarily feel something is happening right then, but you have to believe that that prayer is working. So I just want to just put a postscript on on that, Abigail. But what you were mentioning earlier, I want to challenge everyone out there who has not seen Maafa 21, and that's M-A-A-F-A-21. This is the best documentary on abortion, uh, Margaret Sanger, eugenics, etc., that has ever been produced. Mark Crutcher, who is the founder and leader of uh, Life Dynamics, which is its home is just north of here, close to Dallas-Fort Worth, he is a consummate researcher. This two-and-a-half-hour documentary, and it, and it is long, and I recommend if you get it, you watch it in one setting, this would be something that you could watch as a prayer group, a Bible study, your Sunday school, a group of church. And particularly, I highly recommend it for black people for whatever reason. And there are a multitude of reasons why blacks are a minority, no pun intended, in the pro-life movement when abortion affects blacks a lot more severely than our white, than our white counterparts. Uh, black women make up 13% of the women's population, but they account for 39% of the abortions, and that is not by accident. If you, uh, When you watch this documentary or you read Margaret Sanger's uh, writings, you will see uh, from her eugenics philosophy that uh, she wanted to try to exterminate as many black people in the United States as possible. Uh, there's a similar eugenicist in Europe. Uh, she was named Marie Stoops. And between Marie Stoops and Margaret Sanger, they 
help build this, I guess you might say, not a, a campaign legacy or, or whatever about eugenics. And they understood that it was key to get to the black churches and uh, pretend to be their friends uh, so that they could get into the communities. You mentioned earlier that they founded the birth control movement. The way the word birth control was used during the time of Margaret Sanger is not about contraception. It was about controlling the birth in certain population groups. But I am blessed to say, Abigail, and to our audience, that there is an awakening of the black population in the United States, and we are seeing more black churches, more black conservatives, who are making a clarion call uh, and sounding the alarm about this, which is really black genocide, the most dangerous place for a black American in the United States is inside their mother's womb. And it shouldn't be that way. So I'm, I've been doing a lot of work to try to get this message out, particularly to the black community, because we, we've got to do other things other than paint the street and put uh, slogans and stuff on the back of jerseys while we're having our innocent babies slaughtered. So we're good. there's more work to be done. We're going to work at it, but we will be victorious in that. And in the midst of Black History Month, we should remember that history is very important for us to study and not to cancel out part of our history, but it, our history allows us to uh, well, appreciate the past but also frame our future. So for people who aren't all that familiar with this history, Dr. Robinson, give us an idea of what the eugenics movement looked like. I think there's probably some audience members who aren't even familiar with that term. It's not one that's used a lot these days, um, in part, as the documentary points out, because it became associated with negative ideas, which is accurate. Well, eugenics, to put it simply, it's a body of knowledge or philosophy that believes that uh, there are certain genetic stocks, be it blacks, Jews, etc., that uh, their population, uh, i.e., and their their birth rate should be controlled, uh, or a group should be exterminated. If you look at probably the best example of a, a people group of genocide and extermination would be what happened in the Jewish Holocaust during World War II. Uh, it was the eugenics philosophy that was the underpinning of what was happening uh, when they were slaughtering those six to seven million Jews. But it's not just uh, racial or, or uh, sometimes it can be religious. But before the uh, Germans uh, started exterminating Jews, they exterminated their mentally ill uh, and physically handicapped, the infirmed, because they also believe that by doing that, you are making, you are cleansing your race, making your genetic pool cleaner, uh, more effective, and stronger. Uh, so it's a, it's a very bold, white supremacist. Um, in-your-face genocide, basically. When the eugenics movement started in the U.S., it took a little time for it to be uncovered as such, but then it seemed like 
Black America realized that they were being targeted by it. But now we've seen a full swing and, for instance, um, the NAACP supports Planned Parenthood and has gone to bat in lawsuits against groups who have tried to point out that Planned Parenthood is purposefully still targeting the Black American population. So can you give us a little bit of idea of why you think that swing happened and what the best way to help this come to light is? Well, I thought about this quite a bit, Abigail. Uh, first, we got to recognize this is it's not a physical battle, political or social. Our battle is actually spiritual, and it's our enemy, the devil, who ultimately is benefiting the sacrifice of these innocent children. So what we have to recognize when we see leaders or we look at race or whatever, we're really seeing what is the manifestation of the deception and the power of the enemy. The enemy works in your mind to make you uh, see things that are wrong as right. So if you take a people group who say have been enslaved and oppressed over a period of time, and then uh, you come out to try to make it appear that, oh, well, I'm going to get all these wonderful government programs for you. We've got this wonderful government subsidized housing and this great government cheese. And here's a little money for this. And uh, basically what you do is you take a large group of people and you put them on a plantation without walls. Now, uh, we're not going to talk about what political party or whatever, but there's one political party that benefits enormously from the control of the slaves on this plantation without walls. And what they do is if anyone ever threatens to set the slaves free off the plantation, they have brainwashed them to say, well, these people want your babies to starve. These people don't want you to have a place to live. These people want to take away your wonderful uh, schools we have that they forced to not have a choice of where their children go to school, so they keep them undereducated, they keep them in violent communities, and anyone that threatens that, uh, I don't know if the appropriate thing would be to say that the, the slaves on the plantation have a Stockholm Syndrome, but I'm telling you that the veil is about to come off, and it's slowly being peeled back right now, and this lie is not going to be able to be uh, perpetuated as it has in the past. What can listeners do um, to help sort of further this, this message, this revealing that's happening? Because from where I sit, you know, I have light skin. And so especially with the, the political environment being what it is and the Black Lives Matter protest this summer, I can't say anything um, for fear of it being taken wrong or just being shut down immediately because of the color of my skin, even though the message that I have to say is one of love. So do you have any suggestions for our listeners about how they might help? Yes, I do, Abigail, and I would start with saying uh, black preborn lives matter. And if there's a black person that has a problem with a white person 
telling black folks, don't kill the babies, we got a problem here. Uh, I think the black church uh, historically has been a strong uh, institution. However, it's uh, not as strong as it used to be. Uh, probably the one we know best, the church, the Ebenezer Baptist Church and Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, a man who, who, iconic. I mean, men are born like that every century or two. Uh, but now what we, what we have is the successor to this great uh, man of God, this great uh, civil rights leader, the pastor of that church who is black, uh, who just ran for senator in Georgia is a pro-abort. Okay, how is it that uh, a church that stood for civil rights, uh, that stood for peace and stood for nonviolence, a few decades later, now be in favor of uh, killing its own and not sounding the alarm to the black community. So unfortunately, the black church has been weakened, but it's coming back in just a couple of weeks. Uh, my wife and I will be speaking at a church in Houston, and we're doing a panel discussion. Uh, this pastor of this church is one of the few, but it's a growing number of uh, black pastors that are sounding this alarm that this is evil. God hates uh, all killing. And of course, the shedding of innocent blood is uh, uh, the worst kind. Uh, but he wants his church to be the leaders in stopping this Holocaust. About 60 million babies are killed on our planet every year by abortion. This is an unprecedented uh, Holocaust of global proportion. It's never been anything like this where the entire globe is involved in this. And about a million and a half of those abortions occur uh, in the United States every year. Besides looking at the documentary and just beginning to speak um, in, you know, sort of calm, non-obtrusive ways, like you mentioned, talking about Black pre-born lives matter as well. And then people can also be involved in 40 Days for Life. That's a great way um, to begin to be a witness to anybody. Um, and if Black Americans are entering abortion clinics uh, at a way higher percentage than the amount of the population they make up, right, then they're going to see our witness there as well. So good things to do um, in that regard. Dr. Robinson, before we wrap up here, do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners? I would just like to encourage those to come out to 40 Days, bundle up. If you need to, find your local campaign. And the way you do that is, as you said earlier, um, go to 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com, and uh, you will uh, find your local uh, campaign and join those 567 campaigns across our globe, and uh, you will see us save babies, you will see facilities closed, and workers leave that uh, horrible place that they're working in. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. And listeners, thanks to you for sticking with us through the snow and the static, and uh, we'll hope to see you soon. 
You've been listening to I Choose Life News and Views. If you have questions about this program or if you'd like to support the fight for life, please call 260-471-1849 or go to ichooselife.org because without the right to life, no other rights matter.